I'm Rechard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 136 for the week starting Sunday, 8 October 2015. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, where you'll find South Africa's best technology journalism. That's right, Duncan. No headlines like poked by twerking Tokoloshi. <laughs> Thanks, Daily Sun, for that one. I guess we can't pick on that other tabloid forever. <laughs> on Talk Central this week, we chat about Telcom's decision to create OpenServe. Also this week, we chat about tech shares on the JSC, the idea of National Open Access Wireless Network, and we chat about the SABC's Glahudi Motsuneng. Before we get to all of that, though, we need to pay the bills. We'll be back after this. Okay, my schnookums, I have to get back to work now. Oh, but I'm going to miss you. I'll miss you too, but I really have to go. Okay, Poopsie, but you hang up first. No, uh, you hang up first, my little pumpkin pie. No, you. No, you. No, you. This is not a work call, but it is taking place at work, and you are paying for it. But with Voice Supreme from Vox Telecom, you get the best call rate at only 59 cents per minute, with per second billing. It's the perfect alternative to VoIP least cost routing. SMS 43255 and we'll call you back. Standard SMS rates, T's and C's apply. Well, welcome to the show. Hi, Rafa. How's it, Duncan? Good, thanks. Good, good, good. So, um... What's news? What's uh, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, it's been a busy week on the deadline front. Um, I think uh, it's, it's December is slowly approaching. I cannot wait to take some time off. I can't believe it's almost the end of the year. It's, uh, I was actually in uh, in a game uh, outlet uh, this morning, and they've got all their Christmas decorations up and. Uh, yeah. A bit early, I think. <laughs> it's a bit early, and, and a lot of the shops have started doing it. Come on, guys, just. Uh, Stick with a calendar. At least give us a month before Christmas. You know? Yes, not two and a half months before Jeez. Christmas. But uh, it's going to be the end of the year before we know it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway, lots of uh, tech news this week to talk about, and undoubtedly the biggest uh, announcement, biggest news, was um, an event uh, that uh, happened uh, at uh, Turban Hall in Newtown in Johannesburg. I think it was on Tuesday. Uh, and that was uh, uh, the unveiling of uh, Telcom's newly separated... Uh, deeply functionally separated um, <laughs> wholesale and network arm uh, and they had the big unveil of the company's name and um, I was trying to guess it before uh, the uh, announcement came out now I knew that the word open would be in the name somewhere because of, of course we've seen um, open reach sp- spun out yeah, in the UK yeah. and I thought they'd lean on that quite heavily um, and I couldn't come up with it. I was checking out uh, co.za, which uh, where you can do who is look up on South African yeah, uh, the name commercial domain domains. Names. Yeah, and I was going through various options, uh, but unfortunately, I didn't manage to find OpenServe because <laughs> if I had found it, I would have run the story. <laughs> Exclusive. But uh, it's, I guess it's kind of an obvious name. Mm. Um, but a really interesting move by Telcom, uh, and I think particularly interesting because um, this move hasn't really been forced on it. Um, certainly some aspects of it are uh, it agreed to in its se- uh, settlement agreement uh, with the Competition Commission mm. over its past anti-competitive uh, abuses of its monopoly um, when it still had a monopoly. Uh, and, um, you know, I, 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 but I think that um, most of the, the decisions they've taken here and certainly the extent of the separation uh, that they've agreed to do here um, goes well beyond uh, what uh, they required in terms of that consent agreement with the uh, competition authorities. Um, and I, as far as I know, it's the first incumbent fixed line operator in the world that has actually done this voluntarily. 
Uh, and listening to the group CEO, Sipo Maseko, who's really done um, pretty amazing things for Telcom in the two and a half years he's been the CEO, um, he's really turned the business around. Uh, according to him, this is a commercial imperative. Uh, they have to do it. Um, and I guess in some ways it's been forced on them um, and, and, and perhaps the change has had to be accelerated uh, because of the rapid emergence of these alternative fixed-line uh, infrastructure providers, companies like Vumatel and, uh, and, and Dark Fiber Africa and, and the other fiber providers um, that are giving it a real run for its money in the last mile. Uh, you know, suddenly Telcom has to play nicely with, uh, with, with, with internet service providers where in the, pop, in the past there was arguably a lot of cross-subsidization that went on between the wholesale and retail arm, probably not so much in recent years, but certainly historically. Um, and, and Telcom certainly uh, got into a lot of trouble with the competition authorities for abusing that monopoly um, and, and trying to run competitors out of the market. Um, now they're saying, well, you know, we've spun off OpenServe. This is going to serve the market fairly and equitably and transparently. Uh, and in fact, when I interviewed the newly appointed uh, MD of OpenServe, who's the former MD of Telcom Wholesale Networks, uh, Alfonso Samuels, who's uh, been with Telcom for more than three decades, uh, uh, career career executive, mm. uh, he said that um, he he said that he made a is prepared to make a promise. He said that anyone who thinks that we are, are treating Telcom's retail arm in any way favorably or, 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 or more favorably than anyone else in the market is welcome to come to my office and inspect <laughs> our books um, to prove that we're not. So he's, he's, they sound like they're going to be quite serious about this. Well, I guess they have to in many ways. I mean, how many how many more, uh, what shall I call them, strikes can Telcom have against the industry that uh, is already kind of, you know, uh, on trying to take them or... or an industry that's already kind of on the back foot when it comes to telecom because of uh, you know historical incidents. Yeah, indeed, indeed, um, I, and I guess there's a lot of mistrust out there as well, mm. given some of that history. But they certainly sound serious about it, and um, I think that you know as long as this business is properly capitalised um, and is given the cash it needs to to expand that network and. Um, you know what I think is really interesting here is that in the past, telecom treated bandwidth as a scarce resource and charged for it appropriate yeah. in line with, with, with it being a scarce resource. So charge a huge amount of money for a small amount of, of bandwidth. I get the impression that what's happened here is that Sipo Maseko and the team around him have turned that model completely on its head or trying to turn that model on its head. Bandwidth has become a commodity, and they need to sell lots of it in order mm -hmm. to make money, which is the way telecoms should work. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's certainly the way telecoms works in a competitive market. Um, and I do think this has been forced on telecom. I don't think they would have done this if the, mm. uh, if the market hadn't become competitive. Yeah, um, yeah. They had to react, and they had to, I, I think they had to leapfrog, or try and leapfrog at least the current situation that South Africa is in with fiber deploying at such a rapid pace and broadband or at least uh, bandwidth isn't becoming as a scarce commodity as what, uh, what you said earlier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember the bad old days when uh, there was only one international uh, uh, um, undersea cable yeah, pipe. Yeah. It was owned by Telcom, Sat3. And international bandwidth prices were insane. Mm. Um, they're probably less than 5% now of what they were 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, and that's just because the competition has forced the prices down. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, if there's any doubt that uh, that um, you know we wasted time with the so-called managed liberalisation process that the government put in place, it just kept prices high for too long and kept telecom 
um, as a lumbering monopoly for too long. It, you know, I would argue that these changes should have happened 15, 20 years ago. For sure. But I also think that as a result of all those things, we are seeing the landscape uh, that we're seeing now with regards to internet infrastructure mm. as a result of that. You know, it, if, if telecom weren't that kind of player, mm -hmm. I don't think many of these uh, players in the market now in terms of fiber would have would have had a need or seen a market opportunity to deploy like they are. Mm, that's true. Or, or neighborhoods, uh, I mean, if Parkers was very happy with their ADSL, yeah. potentially VDSL, yeah. um, they would not have uh, stood together to, yeah. to get a second operator in or yeah. a second player in. Yeah, agreed. And I think we mustn't underestimate the role that Terraco has played in all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the vendor neutral data center <laughs> operator, or Telco neutral. Um, they, they've put up this fantastic facility in, uh, in Isando, in Johannesburg, and in, in Durban and Cape Town as well. Uh, they've got facilities there as well. I believe they're building a second Johannesburg data center now as well. But this wonderful facility where the, all the operators terminate or, or pair with each other, um, it's fantastic because everyone just pulls fiber into Terraco and and it's it's a way mm. of getting getting anywhere you want to go yeah, without sure. having to go through a one particular operator to get your backhaul. Um, so I think I think uh, you know I think often Terraco doesn't get the credit it deserves for the impact it's had on the telecommunications market in this country. It's certainly been a massive enabler yeah, for, yeah, for these yeah. interchanges you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't be, I mean, just given the pace at which Terraco has grown, I wouldn't be surprised if they're one of the biggest telecommunications infrastructure providers in Africa within the next 10 years. Sure. No. As long as we get fiber. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, we should both be fibered up at home by, by in the next, uh, I think you're going to get it first, um, but um, Telcom yeah. is promising fiber in our area by the end of March next year. Yeah, the, the posters just went up in my street for, for Vumital starting to trench. I just hope they don't mess with my curb. But um, no, I th I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to have a little lit fiber in my house. It's, yeah, it's a dream come true. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, what, what speed are you going to do? I think realistically I'll probably go for 50 meg. Uh, okay. Financially, I think 100 meg is still. It's you, you can't really justify f you know, a few grand for 100 meg up and down. You actually don't need more than 50. You don't. You don't. Uh, you can stream 4K video at 50 megabits a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Easily. Well, for me, the big thing is the up the, the upload speeds um, and and multiple lines. I mean, if we stream multiple. Um, HD streams in this house because yeah. we don't have DSTV. You know that's yeah, yeah. 10 meg or eight, 8 to 10 meg a pop. Yeah. You know with a 50 meg line, you can do three or four of those. Yeah, that's um, true. And not worry too much about uh, buffering. Yeah, that's all I really care about. Yeah. And also security cameras. I think a big thing for me would be. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got some uh, beautiful access uh, surveillance cameras that I'm going to hook up and hook up oh, to yes. the internet okay. and then provide to my street so that everybody can oh, kind good. Of log in and see what's happening, which I think is going to be quite cool. I might ask for your help. Uh, to set some of those up. I've got a couple of security cameras gathering dust in a cupboard somewhere. Um, my, my DSL has never really been suit suitable for, uh, mm. uh, for for hooking up those sort of things, but when the fiber comes, I may I may look at doing it. But I did play around with one of those access cameras uh, some time ago. I found it a bit difficult to set up. Set up. Um, uh, but I'll come to you for some higher grade advice. On yeah, that. look, it, the software is easy. You just need to do your, your modem, your DNS settings. Yeah, your, I, think, your I think that's the tricky part. Yeah. Or, uh, what's it, uh, then DNS is a trick yeah, yeah. But, but it no, doesn't have to stream all the time, does it? You I mean you can put a motion sensor on so it only streams or you, you can you can you can access it on demand. Yes. Um, yes. so that you're not chiming bandwidth all the time. Yeah, exactly. Mm. There's there's a couple of ways you can manage it. Um, there's actually interesting enough and there's probably a conversation for another for another podcast, but there is uh, there are some services that you can actually stream to 
um, and then they will keep uh, like a Oh, right. Cloud-based DVR service for your for your oh, video. Cool. Oh, that's cool. I think Vox Telecom offers something like that, doesn't it? Um, Possibly. I must look into that. Uh, Guardian Eye. Oh, Guardian Eye, but that's yeah, that's using their hardware though. Yeah, um, but I think they also offer a cloud-based um, surveillance solution. I think they they actually for businesses. I think they offer a, a solution where they actually monitor off-site. Um, if, if, yes, if, if, right. if, if there's movement detected, they'll fire it, fire it up on a screen and see what's going on. Um, uh, yeah, so I should have a look at the details yeah, there, but yeah. they do, they definitely offer some sort of cloud-based um, security um, st uh, video storage uh, mechanism as yeah. well. Yeah. It's definitely worth exploring once we both get fiber and we can actually explore these, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, these, these products. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'll be setting up a bulldog cam. <laughs> <laughs> Never misses anything. <laughs> um, cool. All right, uh, we went from telecom to bulldog cams. How do we do that? <laughs> fiber. Everything goes through fiber. <laughs> I wanted to chat a bit. I, I did a bit of a fun story, and it's actually something I want to do quite often on Tech Central, maybe on a quarterly basis, uh, perhaps six monthly, maybe quarterly is too often. But um, I took a look at all this, the, the IT and telecom stocks on the JSE, and they're less and less of them these days because there have been so many acquisitions and buyouts and delistings. But, uh, you know, there's about 15 companies that you could um, broadly put into this category. Um, uh, if, you, if, you, if you're quite broad about the definition, include a media and technology group like NASPAT. But um, what I did was I had a look at the share prices um, of all of them over one year, three years, and five years to see which performed the worst and which performed the best over that period. Uh, and some really interesting results came out of it. Um, uh, the numbers obviously don't include, uh, uh, the comparisons don't include any dividends that may have been paid over that mm. period. So uh, some of these companies would, would have would have, um, would have have distributed um, dividends to their shareholders, which would have um, obviously had a, a, a depressing effect on the share price when, when, when those companies um, pay, paid out that, that money. But uh, interesting uh, numbers, um, a couple of real, real losers on the list um, and a couple that have done absolutely fantastically. So um, let's start with looking at the one-year number, uh, the, the, the best performer over, over, over just one year, and it's a company I, I must admit I don't follow all that closely, although I know the management team there quite well, and that's a huge group. Um, they're a telecommunications business, and I think a lot of people wrote off when the, when the mobile termination rates started to come down, but they seem to have managed to um, put that behind them. Uh, I think a lot of people were worried that they were big in the LCR, least cost routing uh, business. Uh, and they were, um, and I'm not quite quite sure how they've managed to, to uh, turn the business around. But certainly, the share price has been performing very well, and they the, uh, over the over the last 12 months they're the strongest performer amongst all the tech shares on the JSE, up 105 percent. So if you bought them a year ago, you would have more than doubled your money. Uh, over three years, they're up 220 percent, um, and over five years, they're up less than that, 100 uh, percent. Uh, still a, a good return over a three-year period, um, but. Uh, over three years uh, and over five years, there's a there's a different category winner, and this company has performed absolutely spectacularly over three years. Adapt sure. IT, which is a Durban-based IT services business, I think they're based in Umschlange, if I'm not mistaken. Over th over over one year, they've returned an 80% return to shareholders in terms of their share price movement. Over three years, their share price is up 626%, and over five years, their share price is up 2,037%. Oh. <laughs> So uh, imagine putting, pl having plopped down a hundred grand on that company five years ago. How how so pretty you'd be sitting right now. Yeah, if only we knew now. I knew then what we know now. Yeah. Wow. and they pay dividends as well. So uh, uh, pretty uh, pretty impressive it's stuff. Phenomenal. Pretty impressive return. Um, the problem with looking at these things historically is that um, you know 
you know, the picture's very much likely to change going forward. Uh, not to say that Adapt.it isn't going to continue to perform well, but, uh, you know, it becomes more difficult uh, as you get bigger to, to um, re- keep returning those sort of returns. Although EOH, which is another very strong performer on our list, in fact, the second best performer over five years, um, it just seems to keep returning year after year after year. I had a look at it the other day. The share price looks expensive. Um, I think the PE ratio is sitting above 30, which is um, which is quite demanding. But over five years, EOH has returned a thousand percent, and over three years, it's returned 300 um, percent. So that's nothing to be sneezed at. Mm. Um, if you had invested, on the other hand, in Ellie's Holdings. Uh, you'd be um, crying into your beer right now right. because over one year you would have lost a third of your money and over three years you would have lost 90% of your money. <laughs> sure. Which means you'd be pretty broke right now. But they were quite a powerhouse in their own right uh, for years yeah. ago. What happened? I think they've made a bit, big bet on uh, on digital TV happening sooner than it has. Uh-huh. Um, I seem to recall they've had a lot of issues around um, you know getting ready for DTT and then having too much inventory. Uh, I think they were also play, made a big bet on that OpenView HD uh, platform oh, that was yes. launched by um, by a, a sister company of ETV. And OpenView HD, I don't think, has performed nearly as well as they had been expecting it mm. to. And I think that that they were they were counting on that uh, business taking off in a big way. Um, so they haven't performed well. Um, uh, maybe at some point it's a buying opportunity, but um, certainly if you've um, if you'd bought three years ago, you you'd have almost no money or none of that investment left now. Sure. Um, Another very weak performer over the over the, over the entire period has been Ultron, uh, which uh, is the business that of course owns um, what's now called Ultron TMT, but Bytes Technology Group and Altec. Uh, they've they've had a torrid time in recent years. Um, uh, I think first the the, the PowerTech division has has been mm. struggling for years because of the weak economy and weak orders. It's one of those old industrial companies, um, uh, you know that um, you know. That's not really the fast growing part of the economy sure. anymore, um, and of course, LTEX also run into some serious problems. Of you know, a couple of years ago, K- KDN up in East Africa was a bit of a disaster for them, um, mm. and now the local operations are also in some some trouble. They launched um, the LTEX node; that was a disaster, cost yeah. them a lot of money. Uh, their um, set-top box manufacturing business, UEC down in Durban, is also not performing well at all. So anyway, if you bought Altron shares a year ago, um, your cash will have diminished by sixty-two percent. Um, and 67% who bought it three years ago, and if you bought it five years ago, um, your cash pile would have um, shrunk by 74%. Hmm. So a pretty poor performance from, from, from Ultron. But of course, in these weak uh, uh, numbers, there's probably some buying opportunity at some point, yeah. um, unless the company's going to go to the wall, and I can't see that happening in Ultron's case. Uh, yeah, there has to be a bottom at some point, and uh, I guess the astute investors watch for those bottoms and and buy when the time is right. Buy low, sell high. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, but when you're in the action and looking at these numbers, it's quite difficult mm. to know when to when to sell them. Do you play? The, do you trade the stock market? At all? No, not at all. Yeah. I've never played. I mean, okay. it's it's something I've always. My fiance does a little bit. She, she's yeah. got some investments here yeah. and there, but uh, yeah. yeah, I've never had the kind of the inclination to to look at those numbers and yeah. figure out what I want. But you know, now that I'm looking, you know, the more I look at this kind of thing, and the more we have conversations, Duncan, mm. you and I. It, it certainly seems like something I'll be getting into into my latter years. I think. Yeah. Instead of playing golf, I'll play the numbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, I first got into the stock market, I think, about 15 years ago, uh, when I was um, still fairly young and very naive, um, and um, I bought I bought tech stocks, and I, I, I burnt myself very badly, <laughs> uh, and I, I, I swore I would never do it again. But in, in the last year, I've started trading again, um, and um, been playing 
been, been thinking about what I'm, what I'm doing before buying them just instead of, oh, that, that sounds like a nice name for a company, let me buy that one. <laughs> um, so I've been, I've been playing the stock market, bought a company called Baldwin Properties yesterday. Um, they just listed yesterday. Uh, quite a demanding share price, but uh, the, yeah, I don't know if you see, remember Summercon, in the, yes. the company that put up all those crappy townhouses all over the four ways. Um, this is like the new Summercon, um, uh, but an interesting company. Um, if you drive drive around the northern suburbs of, of Joburg, especially um, there's a big development going up near Olivedale at the moment, yes. and there's another one near um, William Nickel, between Ravoni and William Nickel. They're putting up these townhouse complexes all over the place, um, and the analysts seem to think they're uh, they're a good bet. Um, so anyway, I'm having a punt on them. I'm getting, getting a bit, <laughs> of, bit off topic there, talking about <laughs> property stocks. Um, so maybe we That's should uh, check the show notes and see what we need to talk about next. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about um, this interesting, well, actually, it was this piece that was published by Martin Ritter, Dr. Martin Ritter from BMI Technology. He's a senior consultant to them um, on uh, the, the perils, the, 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 you know, the, I guess the perils is the right word, of, of a national open access wireless network. And um, I know it's a mouthful, but it's um, something that uh, the, you know, the tech, um, the, the government and the regulator are getting quite keen on, and some of the mobile operators as well, for that matter. Um, but, you know, they're talking about um, building potentially uh, one national open access wireless network. Not quite clear how this would work yet, whether it would be, um, whether it would have a government as a shareholder or not. And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of talk about this, and the government looks like it's going to codify it in policy uh, very soon, especially when it comes to the um, issuing of new spectrum licenses. Um, this, this entity, whatever it ends up being, may end up getting a big chunk of that digital di- dividend band. Uh, and uh, other spectrum, um, which the commercial operators are obviously keen to get 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 access to. Now, there's there's all sorts of pros to this, but there's also a number of cons. Uh, I'm leaning more towards the the negatives of this one. I um, especially if there's only one player. I think that um, I think that um, people who suggest that we should just have one national player in the infrastructure yeah. space are forgetting how bad it was when we only had one player in the infrastructure yeah. place, yeah. Telcom. Um, you know, and especially if you have a government-owned infrastructure player, I think it's a recipe for disaster. No, definitely needs to be more open than that. And, um, uh, but go read Martin Ritter's piece. It's it's um, a, a lot more subtle than I'm putting it across. <laughs> There's a lot more detail <laughs> and, and and better thought out than I could ever ever vocalise it in this podcast. But um, um, you know, maybe there's some advantage to doing this. But I think if we do it, um, it should probably be some sort of some sort of um, consortium. Where government yeah, perhaps yeah. could have a small shareholding. I, I personally wouldn't like to see them have a shareholding, um, but perhaps government could ha- own a ten percent stake of it, and then perhaps a whole bunch of ISPs, maybe one or two of the smaller mobile operators, could all uh, own a stake in this infrastructure provider, and then also uh, uh, allocate spectrum to on a commercial basis to uh, guys that want to bid for it. So, yeah, on an auction yeah. basis or a beauty contest basis. Um, make make Spectrum available to someone like Vodacom, for example, which probably wouldn't want to get involved in this. They'd probably want their own Spectrum to build their own network and have control over their own destiny. For sure, for sure. Uh, and then you st- you'll end up anyway with the infrastructure competition uh, because you have the commercial guys or, or the non-consortium guys, let me call them that, um, with their own Spectrum-building networks um, and competing with this um, open access wholesale wireless infrastructure provider. Um, but my worry is that um, given given the ideology of our government that we're going to end up with uh, a single player with government as a big shareholder or the only shareholder in it. Mm-hmm. And I think if we do that and there's no competition in the infrastructure space, 
I think that's a recipe for disaster because we're going to be going back to the bad old days of telecom. Exactly. I mean, now when one per, when one entity is involved, I mean, you, you're never getting getting the best for the group or the best for for the collective. You know, it's, yes, somebody's always got their own interest at heart. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway, go read Martin Richter's piece. It's um, it's a, a long piece. I think it's two and a half thousand words, but um, it's two and a half thousand words worth reading. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really interesting analysis of 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 other markets around the world where this has been tried and the experience. Uh, uh, he talks about, I think, the Kenyan market. Talks about, I think, the Rwandan market. Um, there was one other, and he also talks about the Mexican market in some detail. And he thinks the Mexicans are doing it quite well, um, but even there, he's got, <coughs> excuse me, he's got concerns about uh, about whether they're actually going to manage to pull it off. And given how weak our policymaker is, and given how weak our regulators are in South Africa, especially ICASA, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, you know something like an entity like this would have, need to be carefully managed and regulated. Um, I, I think that um, I think that we probably shouldn't be considering going down that road, at least not um, without competition and infrastructure space. Oh, yeah. Cool. I think our last news bit of news we want to talk about is our favourite chap at the SABC, Klaudi Morteneng, the Chief Operating Officer, soon I suspect to be no longer at the SABC <laughs> and the way, the way things are going, although he's, uh, he's hanging on uh, 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 tenaciously. He's going to go out with a bang. I, <laughs> yeah, I suspect so. They're going to drag him out of the building. It'll be good for TV ratings. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. And speaking of TV ratings, he has suggested that his disciplinary hearing, which is going to be held on the 30th of this month, be broadcast live on television. <laughs> and I think, what a fantastic idea! <laughs> we should have more. We should have more government policies or, or government uh, disciplinary hearings uh, exactly. broadcast on TV. I think they, it'd be amazing. The SABC is going to have its best ratings ever. Sure. <laughs> um, of course, we know it's not going to happen. Yeah. But it's just blowing yeah. hot air. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think it would be wonderful television to watch. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, of course, we, 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 the SABC is handling this internally, so um, expect a whitewash. Um, you know, I think the courts are going to be the courts are going to have to remove this guy. <laughs> but um, but uh, we, if it were to happen, it would make for good, great television. And as a number of people on Twitter and elsewhere pointed out, maybe they shouldn't broadcast it on the on, on the SABC. Perhaps the most appropriate place to put this would be on Comedy Central. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we'll get back to uh, Claudia Mutzeneng <laughs> shortly, um, since we're getting to our, uh, you guessed it, our uh, winner, winner and loser of the week. And uh, our winner this week, no, let's start with the loser while we're talking yeah, about it. on the topic. <laughs> Claudia Mutzeneng is our loser this week uh, for not knowing when to go. <laughs> and didn't we also pick him as a loser for the same reason last year? <laughs> last week we picked him. <laughs> yeah, but last year we had the same conversation about not knowing uh, when to go. I yes. remember that. Okay, anyway. okay. Anyway. Yeah, he's, he's, he's our uh, loser of the week, two weeks uh, running now. And uh, I, I guess is a, a, a con- contender for our final podcast of the year when we pick our winner and loser <laughs> of, of 2015. Yeah, yeah. So he certainly put his hand up for that one. Our, our winner this week, and we've also covered it in our news section, was Telcom. Um, I think for having the foresight to uh, to, to still spin off uh, its wholesale and networks on before being told by the regulators that it, <laughs> that it has to do so. Mm. Um, and I think Sipo Maseko is right. It's good for business. Uh, um, I think this, uh, you know, I think it's it's still early days, and we need to see how the um, how, how the whole thing unfolds and how this business behaves in the market, and mm. you know whether it's going to be need to be regulated. They say they won't need to be regulated um, because they they're fully committed to doing this, etc. But um, I, I think uh, kudos to Telcom and to its CEO Sipo Maseko. I think uh, um, uh, I think well, well done to them. In fact. Let's make Sipo, you know, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's rather than make a core legal corporate entity a, um, 
our winner. This thing has been driven by the CEO and the Seek More Seeker, so he's our winner this week for that um, for, 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 for that development, the creation of OpenServe. What is your pick? So there's, there's this website that I've kind of been following for the last few months, um, and I also subscribe to it on Facebook simply because I absolutely love the photographs that uh, appear in my timeline as a result of, of their posts. The website's called foodbeast.com, and it's a... Uh, I'm sure some people may not really appreciate this, but as somebody that absolutely loves food of all kinds and and um, just love experimenting, exploring the different kind of uh, strategies one can implement with uh, with food, uh, food food <laughs> is definitely worth checking out. They do some crazy things. They they write about some crazy food pairings and food creations. Um, some of them is absolutely ridiculous, and some of them I have tried to make myself. I'll put it out there, but uh, it's well <laughs> worth checking out. Um, foodbeast.com it's, it's, it's just interesting food related stuff but uh, they do deep fry a lot of things they do write about deep frying a lot of things um, sounds terribly unhealthy it is brilliant and, <laughs> and they also write about interesting things from uh, in the world of food from around the, uh, in the world of food uh, internationally is it Tim Noakes approved? <laughs> no no. <laughs> it doesn't look like no dietitian approved no doctor approved <laughs> no you um, probably have to go for a cholesterol yeah. check after eating we should probably say that, that uh, the website is not safe for work uh, if you look at uh, the type of food that's on there Oh, yes. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> You'll have to go check it out to see what we're talking about. But it's about. a nice little time waster if you, if you like to uh, spice up your Facebook feed or just to subscribe to the website or just to go to the website um, before dinner or lunchtime. Very cool. My pick this week is a, is a novel, actually. Um, going a, 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 a bit um, off, not off topic, but um, a bit of fun to find a pick this week. <laughs> and I'm only halfway through it, um, but I'm enjoying it so much I'm going to pick it now on the expectation anyway that it's got a fantastic ending because I think it's going to. <laughs> um, it's it's a brilliant, brilliant book. Um, it's sci-fi. Um, Is it, are you listening to it on Audible or I'm, are you reading it? I'm listening to it on Audible. Um, I listen. I, I read everything through Audible now. Okay. I read in inverted okay. commas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, if you, have you read The Martian by Andy Weir? No, I've not, but I'm going to watch the movie. <laughs> okay, uh, great book, excellent movie too. Um, well, I should say excellent book, it. great yes, movie. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, very scientifically accurate, uh, which it was praised for. And, and um, but but excellent, excellent sci-fi. And this, this is a lot, sort of in a similar sort of vein. Um, lots of um, so, uh, lots of um, science in it. Uh, mm. um, I don't know how accurate it is, but it certainly comes across as accurate <laughs> in in the reading of it. Uh, but fantastic piece of sci-fi. It's called Saturn Run. Uh, sat in the planet uh, by John Sanford and someone called Katine. Uh, and the premise of it is that um, an astronomer um, or someone working for an astronomer um, is uh, accidentally, pure, pure, pure luck, um, picks up an, an anomaly uh, nearby Saturn. Um, and uh, they, they, they pick up this object um, about 10 kilometers in length. Um, and uh, you know they, th- they think it could just be so- something in the background or something. Um, normally, this w- it would be you know something in the f- in, in far away in the galaxy that has popped up for some reason, a star exploding or something. But um, they discover this thing is is um, is slowing down <laughs> uh, and going into Saturn's orbit. And uh, so they, 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 they realize that this can't, can't be anything else except for a giant alien spaceship. Nice. Um, and so they organize, uh, to cut a long story short, there's a race between the Chinese and the Americans to build a spaceship and get there first to find out what it is. 
um, to claim it as their own. Exactly. Um, but the, I think the premise is brilliant. I haven't. Mm. I got to the part of the book where they've actually got to Saturn yet. Uh, they're getting. They're they're getting ready to launch and, and head out. Um, and um, you know, the book is about the race between China and 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 the, and the states to get there first. Um, and uh, I can't wait to get to the second half of the book to find out what the spaceship oh, is. Sounds <laughs> interesting. I want to see what the uh, yeah, what what does it come down come yeah. to into. Um, so um, my my pick this week comes with a disclaimer. I haven't finished the book, but based on the first half of the book, I suspect the second half is going to be just as good. Mm. So um, if you're looking for some great sci-fi and if you really enjoyed The Martian, then you've got to check out Saturn Run. Yeah, that sounds good. It's. Uh Definitely seems like a Hollywood movie as well. I think uh, the way it's re- it actually reads kind of like it was written uh, to become a movie, a bit like The Martian was yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, so I would not be surprised if a, a year or two from now this is um, a major Hollywood blockbuster. And strangely enough, in the world of sci-fi, it seems like a relatively uh, unique plot. Yeah, 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 it does. I mean, it, mm, being real, yeah, it's, it's the sort of thing I'd imagine that's, that um, Arthur C. Clarke might have come up with. Mm. Um, uh, he, he's written not, not exactly the same thing, but he's written some sort of similar sort of ideas. Uh, but um, but a great great novel, and it, it's really fast paced as well. It's a it's a big book, but it's uh, but it, but it, it, it moves along at a pace. And, and, and how's the narration on the book? Because oh, it's great. also makes makes no, or breaks a good audible. It's, it's one it's one it's one narrator, but he's brilliant. He does different accents, and nice, uh, nice. it's very good, very good indeed. Yeah. So that's Saturn Run by John Sanford and Katine. And I'm listening to the Audible version. I'd um, highly recommend uh, re- recommend the Audible version if you listen to audiobooks. So I think that's the show. Yeah. As always, if you've got any feedback, send us a mail. We'd love to hear from you. It's info at techcentral.co.za. And uh, you can also leave a post uh, under the um, under the podcast entry on the website. Until next week, from Rafa and myself, cheers. Ciao, ciao. We'll be right back.